Today on Onward to Victory, we pay tribute to a Notre Dame great recently passed. The golden boy himself, Paul Horning, was an incredible football player for the Irish, winning the Heisman Trophy in 1956. As brilliant as he was in South Bend, we are actually going to delve a bit into his professional career, including one of the most extraordinary seasons ever compiled in NFL history. Buckle up your chin straps, Irish fans, and get ready to put your hand in the dirt. This is Onward to Victory. Hello, Irish fans, and welcome to Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. My name is Alex Painter, and I am your host. Now, this show traditionally releases an episode every 14 to 17 days, mostly because of the time it takes to put one of these episodes together. And of course, I do have an actual full-time job. So this one, if you haven't noticed already, is coming out a bit earlier than they traditionally do. And it is for a fairly somber reason. The great Irish signal caller and former Heisman Trophy winner, Paul Horning, died on November 13th, 2020. As of this recording, the previous episode was only released eight days ago, but I must pay my formal respects to this Irish great here on episode 35. So I'm going to give it all I got here, but uh, just in case you haven't already, please go back and listen to episode 34 of this humble podcast. It was called Intrepid Spirit, Father Edward Sorn and the Founding of Notre Dame. It's a fascinating story, the Notre Dame origins are, so please go back and give it a listen. A special thank you to my pals, the Consensus All-Americans, who support the show monetarily and keep it on the air, so you too can become a Consensus All-American with a simple $15 donation. I'll give you more details in the show wrap. But again, these All-Americans are my pals and include Michael Finan of Rutherford, New Jersey, Brad Glazer of Williamsburg, Indiana, and Weston Painter of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Thank you all for your support of this self-effacing program. You all keep the show ad-free and growing, so thank you. So before we begin our dive into the golden boy, I want to share a little story about I guess serendipity and downright dumb luck. And it does, yes, pertain to our episode's subject. So like many of you, I am in a multitude of group chats with various family members on my phone. Now, some folks absolutely love these group chats. For others, it's the bane of their existence. But this isn't about where I fall on that debate. But I am in a group chat with all six of my brothers. So yes, when we bring up large Catholic families from northern Indiana, well, the Painter family, I guess, is among them. So myself and brothers Ben, Adam, Dylan, Layton, Weston, and Colton are all on this same thread. So it was about 2.30 in the afternoon on November 13th that Colton shared that Paul Horning had died. I believe it was right around this time that the news had actually originally broke. So most of us kind of chipped in our short tributes 
over the next couple hours, but shortly thereafter, I found myself at the Richmond, Indiana Goodwill store. Yeah, I'm a bit of a thrift store type, mostly because, well, you never know what you're going to find at them. So after rifling through all the vinyl LPs, which is actually what I had gone there to explore, I quickly moved to the DVDs. Admittedly, I was also periodically checking my phone to see if any more tributes to Horning had been released. But anyway, as I'm staring down the rows of DVDs, one catches my eye called Inside the Irish Huddle, Stories of Legendary Notre Dame Quarterbacks. Some of you might be familiar with the DVD. But I thought, well, how about that? I found the perfect DVD, and of course it's Goodwill, so it was only $2. And I'm sure, like I said, I know some of you probably know what DVD and what series I am referring to, but essentially it's a short documentary about great Notre Dame quarterbacks. Man, I thought, what luck. Next, I did what most people would. I popped open the used DVD container to just check the condition of the disc, just out of curiosity. Of course, as many of us know, when you open a DVD case, the disc itself typically resides on the right side, and then there is typically an insert of some kind on the left side. So in this particular instance, the insert was a photograph of the stairway out of the locker room, you know, the one with the play like a champion today sign at the bottom of the stairs. But my eyes grew as wide as saucers as I looked down to find that this insert possessed four different signatures. The unmistakable autograph of Irish head coach and great head coach at that, Lou Holtz, as well as one of his quarterbacks, Tony Rice, who quarterbacked the Irish to the 1988 National Championship. So, in addition to Rice and Holtz, Irish quarterback from 1951 to 1954, Ralph Guglielmi, who passed away back in 2017 and is a 2001 College Football Hall of Fame inductee, he was in there too. This guy needs an episode as perhaps one of the most underrated players in Notre Dame history, maybe here in the future. And finally, in the top right-hand corner, none other than the golden boy himself. Paul Horning's autograph. As usual, with a small number five accompanied just below his signature. Believe me when I tell you, I inhaled so sharply that I almost started coughing, which is something none of us want to do out in public these days. And I darted, beelined for the checkout. So quickly, in fact, that I nearly forgot my Lawrence Welk LPs that I was purchasing. Please don't judge me. But needless to say, I called my brothers very quickly to share the news, and it was clear that someone was at the signing with three of the legendary quarterbacks at some point and thought it appropriate to purchase or bring this DVD to get the signatures. I'm fairly certain that they did like a release party of some kind back in 2005 when it was released, and perhaps the signatures were gathered then. I can verify that the signatures are authentic. I'm a bit of an autograph hound myself. And I, of course, have no idea how such a thing ends up at an East Central Indiana Goodwill store. I can only marvel at the odds of the event happening. A Paul Horning signature turning up in the least suspected of all places on the very day of his passing. 
And I'll share a picture of the insert on Facebook. So if you are curious, hey, what did this look like? And if you want to kind of put yourself in my shoes, I will be sure to share a picture of it. But it was then that I just simply knew that I had to make this episode happen, even on a fairly short schedule. So let's talk about the breathtaking football career of Paul Horning. In particular, one magical season. So let's set a quick stage with a quote that I found from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, written by Gary D'Amato, where he sets the table and tone nicely for this tribute when he wrote, quote, He had matinee idle looks and a ruggish charm, unparalleled versatility on the football field, ruggedness as a runner, an innate ability to find the end zone, and the undying respect and admiration of his teammates. He also had the perfect nickname, the Golden Boy, end quote. Paul Horning was born in Louisville, Kentucky on December 23, 1935. As a youngster, he was a standout athlete at Flaggett High School, starring for four years in baseball, basketball, and of course, football. Horning would later become known for breaking the mold, and perhaps the first public instance of this is when he chose his college. He fielded several Division I offers, as you might imagine, including one from the University of Kentucky, who was at the time coached by the even then legendary Bear Bryant. Most actually expected him to stay in the home state and stay close to home and play for Bryant over in Lexington. However, he politely declined the Wildcats' offer, instead opting to abide by his mother's wishes, heading north to South Bend, Indiana, to play for the University of Notre Dame Fighting Irish. While Horning was quarterbacking and punting for the freshman team in 1953, which was then coached by Terry Brennan, the varsity team, coached by Frank Leahy, and legendary Irish quarterback, the aforementioned Ralph Guglielmi, and halfback Johnny Latner, notched a 9-0-1 record and won a national championship. The next two years, 1954 and 1955, the Irish, now with Horning firmly entrenched on the varsity team, registered a 17-3 overall record between the two years, finishing number four overall in 1954 and number nine overall in 1955. In 1954, Horning served as the backup fullback. And for what it's worth, he also averaged 6.1 points per game while playing forward on the varsity basketball team. That was a fact that I had no idea before this episode. However, it was at this time, as a member of the football team, that the six foot two, 215-pound Horning earned the nickname the Golden Boy, due to his full head of blonde, curly hair. As a junior in 1955, he finished fourth in the Heisman balloting. So Paul quickly gathered the reputation of being an absolute Swiss army knife on the gridiron. So, for instance, when he was a junior in a 21-7 victory over number four-ranked Navy, Horning ran for a touchdown, 
threw for another touchdown and intercepted two passes on defense. His senior year, 1956, the Irish actually slumped to a 2-8 record, which is, believe it or not, actually you probably will believe this, still one of the worst seasons in Notre Dame history. In fact, the Irish found themselves on the wrong end of four games that could be classified as blowouts. So again, one of the worst seasons in history with one of the best players in program history. But Horning, perhaps the most famous collegian in the nation, shone brightly. He ranked second nationally in total offensive yards with 1,337. And for what it's worth, he also accounted for over half of Notre Dame's scoring. Now, as something of a get a load of this moment, he led the team in rushing. He led the team in passing. He led the team in kickoffs returned, punting, punt returns, and extra points. And he also intercepted two passes on defense. What in the world? Voters were so impressed with Horning that despite his team's 2-8 record, he was actually voted the 1956 Heisman Trophy winner. How about that one? So to this day, Paul is the only Heisman Trophy winner selected from a losing team. But a true homage to just how dynamic he was on the gridiron. So the 1957 NFL Draft rolls around. And the Green Bay Packers have the first pick. And they select Paul Horning from the University of Notre Dame. So of note, in that very same draft, quarterback Len Dawson was selected by the Pittsburgh Steelers at number five, and perhaps the greatest running back of all time, Jim Brown, was selected by the Cleveland Browns at number six. Talk about a loaded draft. Now, Paul made an immediate impact on the Packers. He was second on the team in rushing in 1957 as a rookie, and he led the team in rushing in 1958. He was averaging nearly five yards a carry from the fullback position over this time. But also of note, he was also serving as the team's kicker. So some of the other stars of the Packers at this time were some very familiar names. And of course, quarterback Bart Starr, Offensive tackle, Forrest Gregg. And linebacker, Ray Nitschke. In 1959, football history changed forever when coach Vince Lombardi came to the Packers. And I know when I evoke the name of Lombardi, you know that I'm not being hyperbolic. This was a huge seismic event in football history. So, In 1958, the Packers had actually gone 1-10-1. Lombardi immediately made them contenders in 1959. However, it was in 1960 when Horning was 25 years old and in his fourth season in the National Football League that he posted a campaign that would forever cement him in football lore. So just two years after that one-win season, 
the Packers went 8-4 and four in the regular season and won their division for the first time in 16 years. The division win allowed them a berth in the championship game against the Philadelphia Eagles. So again, this is 1960, so we are very firmly entrenched in the pre-Super Bowl era here. But while the Packers lost the championship game 17-13, Paul kicked two field goals and an extra point, rushed for 61 yards on only 11 carries, and caught four passes. So how did the Packers get to the championship game in 1960? Well, put succinctly, their golden boy carried them there. Now, Horning was, of course, always considered a multi-purpose, always well-rounded and versatile back. But get a load of this. In just 12 games... 12 games because, of course, the NFL didn't play 16 games at the time, Horning scored 176 points, leading the league by a wide margin. That is 14.7 points per game. Unbelievable. Here is the breakdown. So in 1960... Paul Horning carried the ball 160 times for 671 yards, good for a 4.2 yards per carry, and 13 touchdowns. In addition, he caught 28 passes for 257 yards, good for 9.2 yards per reception, and two more touchdowns. He made 15 field goals on 28 attempts with a long of 47. He was also 41 for 41 on extra points. Twice that season, he scored 23 points in a single game. Though these don't count into his point total, he also completed six passes, two of which went for touchdowns. Paul, you were just showing off at that point. But folks... Believe me when I tell you that these numbers are borderline silly. Now, how do we know this? Well, the record of 176 points in a single season stood for nearly 50 years. At the time, effectively, a running back or wide receiver would have to average about two and a half touchdowns per game for an entire season to break Paul's record. It was only when LaDainian Tomlinson of the San Diego Chargers scored 186 points in 2006 did the record fall. I would be remiss not to mention that he of course had the luxury of four extra games to break the record since the NFL extended the season to 16 games back in 1978. But regardless, Paul's 176 points is still good for second all time in a single season. Again, accomplished in just 12 games. Paul Horning played for the Packers until 1966. And he was ultimately inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1985 
and the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1986. So our earlier writer, D'Amato, continues, quote, Even on black and white film, his blend of power and grace is stunning to behold. There he is, number five, turning the corner on Lombardi's famed power sweep. Ball tucked under his arm, right hand resting lightly on the back of the polling guard, waiting, waiting, waiting to set up the block and run to daylight. End quote. Rest in peace, golden boy. We will be right back. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, Paul Horning is a name that most Irish fans are familiar with, and perhaps even more so now due to his recent passing, but what a spectacular football player. In a sense, you know, most of these episodes are tribute episodes, but I suppose this is the first one that has been formally dedicated to a recently passed Irish great. The golden boy himself, Paul Horning. As a friendly reminder, if you dig the show, you can find me on Apple Podcasts. If you have an iPhone, just click that purple icon. I am also on Spotify, CastBox, as well as Podbean. And you can find the website at onwardtovictory.podbean.com. Please, please, please like the show, subscribe to the show, just please do whatever you have to do to make sure that you are getting alerted to all of the new episodes. If you would like to name yourself to the Onward to Victory Consensus All-American list and join loyal sons Brad, Michael, or Weston, or any of the past Consensus All-Americans and become a loyal son or daughter, so to speak, yourself, you can do so very simply. A $15 donation to the show will sponsor a few episodes and get your name called out as a Consensus All-American over the air. You will also receive the very latest in-show swag, which is really exciting. So, what is that? Well, currently, I have some canned koozies that are show-branded, and of course, the world-famous Father William Corby coasters, also show-branded. Yeah, if you're not picking up what I'm putting down here, we're trying to take care of those beverages this football season. So if you are interested, please know I am eternally grateful. But please donate at paypal.me slash onward to victory for a one-time donation. Or if you want to donate a set certain amount per month, please visit patreon.com slash onward to victory podcast. I hope you all know that any support is greatly, greatly appreciated and 100% goes back into the show. Please interact with the show on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash onward to victory. You can send the show a message, like, comment, share any of the posts. There's always new content coming through. So and that's also kind of headquarters, so to speak, where all of the show, the major show updates are first shared. So again, if you want to stay up to date on the latest on the show, but also make your voice heard, please make it heard on that platform. And if you aren't on the Facebook page and you're on Facebook, I know some people do not do Facebook and that's perfectly fine. 
Frankly, I understand. But if you are on Facebook and you're not following the show, go over and give it a like and a follow. Because I am currently running a series called In the Footsteps of the Gipper to celebrate the magical 1920 season and untimely death of George Gipp himself. So, kind of a centennial celebration, if you will. But basically, it's just kind of a slideshow, and if you turn your phone sideways and read along, you'll get the blow-for-blow account of the Gipper's exploits in 1920. So, I'm actually releasing the parts on the appropriate day. So that way we can all enjoy it literally 100 years to the day after these amazing things happened. Now, Gipper's magic season, it was unbelievable. It defied odds. And if so if you go back and read the series, you'll kind of get a good sense of that. But I will say, I do think it's coming together really nicely. So go check out the Facebook page and celebrate the greatness of show favorite George Gipp with me. So back on the 2020 gridiron, just as a bit of an update, the Irish notched a victory over former Irish quarterback and current Boston College signal caller Phil Jerkovec this past Saturday to move our record to 8-0. and zero. Now, not to sound vindictive in the slightest, but all preseason, I was voicing my happiness that Ian Book was coming back for yet another year, even after Jerkovec had announced his intention to transfer. I just think, I'm sorry, I just think Ian Book is the perfect college quarterback in many respects. But this is a take that I made that I admit could have looked really bad in retrospect. But I am so happy that he is performing and that he is quietly entering the Heisman Trophy race. That would be so amazing to have that Heisman Trophy return to South Bend. So as a friendly reminder to you Irish faithful, and this time I suppose I am bragging, dating back to the beginning of the 2018 season, your Irish have won 31 of their last 34 games. Yes, in the last 34 games, Notre Dame has a record of 31-3. and three. Since the beginning of 2017, it is actually, they have won 41 of their last 47. So yes, since the beginning of 2017, your Irish have notched a 41-6 record. I just always like to remind folks, it's a great time to be an Irish fan. And with that, I am going to sign off on this tribute episode to the golden boy, Paul Horning. I hope you enjoyed it, sincerely. And if you did, don't hesitate to share it with your Notre Dame football-loving family or friends or whomever it might be. Anyone who you might think will enjoy the show, I am eternally grateful. And that is how the show continues to grow, almost virtually by word of mouth exclusively. So continue to help the show in that regard. And please know that I am eternally grateful grateful. This has been Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. And in kindness, I am your host, Alex Painter. And as always, go Irish!